0: あ!
1: Good morning, everybody. Adam, I'm gonna ask if you can pull down the lights just a second. Or sorry, that would be Andrew. (laughs) Yeah. I still have a spiritual hangover from the prayer service. Our words were fighting words. Pastor Jeremy was talking about all the useless, meaningless violence around the world. And I don't know if any of you have watched movies of war and you just see hundreds, thousands of people dying and you just think, what, what meaninglessness, what stupidity, what, it's pointless. And with everything within me, I hate war, I hate death. My grandfathers both served in prison for not taking up arms during the wars. But I do love going to war Papa's way, which is worship. And I know that the sound of our praise, the sound of God's people does more damage than an atomic bomb. Because what we create with our words and worship is eternal. So as we worship this morning, just know that like we are actively pushing back the darkness. This morning, we were singing, we pull it down, we pull it down. We're not distracted anymore. We see what is rightfully ours. So let's stand to our feet. God, you are the hero. Your way is most precious and beautiful. And we agree with you. We agree with what you wanna do in this place. We agree and say yes to what you wanna do in our hearts and our families. And Father, we say more, more, Lord, more. In 2024, we say more. We love you, God. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, God. If anybody wants to come up to the front with us to worship, you are more than welcome to. Because He is worthy. Is
0: one. Oh. The passion of our Savior, the mercy of my God, the cross and leaves, don't no question. All the wicked ones go free and death would be his portion Breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus. Jesus the name above every other name. We sing Jesus. Jesus the only one who could ever save. Breath, we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live.
2: as we pray for an even greater revelation of your holiness and your worthiness in us. God, I, I begin to pray that over yourself. God, reveal to me more how holy, how majestic, and how glorious you are. It changes your life. It changes your commitment to him. It changes your faithfulness to him. It changes your understanding of his love and of his sacrifice. Begin to pray that over Radiant Church. God, for those to my left and to my right, those in front of me and behind me, Lord, for this family, we pray, would you show us more of your glory? Would our hearts be captured more by your holiness? Begin to pray that for the church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We love the church. We're so grateful to be a small part of the church in our city. Jesus, we love all of our brothers and all of our sisters. And we pray God, would you over the church in Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County, Lord, would you reveal more of your glory and lead your bride to the place of greater affection and greater faithfulness and commitment to you, the groom. As we're captured by your holiness, as we're captured by your beauty and by your glory. And it leads us to cry out that you're worthy. Leads us to live out that you are worthy. Or by your spirit in us, change us. By your spirit in us, reveal yourself to us and lead us into greater faithfulness to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we're gonna pray in just a minute, but I wanted to share something with you of what we're gonna be praying about this week. Uh, I'm trying to think the year, maybe 2018, 2019. There's a couple that moved to Ann Arbor uh, to plant a church. It was uh, Pat and Ruth, and they were planting Refuge Church. And you might've maybe even been a part of that church or seen the signs. Uh, they were all over the place. And so I just remember like seeing those signs and remembering what it was like to plant a church. And so just praying. Every time I saw those signs, I would pray for them. And you know, they were they were doing their thing and COVID hit like it did for everybody else. And they were a portable church and it was hard on them. They lost their location. And they ended up um, joining Grace Bible Church, which is just down the road from us. And one of the churches that we often pray for. And so it was good. He became a teaching pastor there, just. Uh, just an incredible man, anointed, gifting for teaching, loving people, uh, great at like, just talking about Jesus. And uh, four incredible children. A couple of years ago, uh, he was diagnosed with a blood cancer, and uh, went through treatment and you know different things. And then this summer, uh, the treatment stopped working, and they had to switch things. They were doing different trials, and then. Um, this was last week. It, it got really bad for him, and on Thursday morning, he ended up passing away. And so, um, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And uh, in our, our, not just Ruth, his wife is obviously hurting, and his four children are hurting right now. But there's an entire segment of the body of Christ in our city just down the road from us, who we love and we pray for and we bless and and their hearts are broken right now too. And so for the next couple of minutes, you may have never met him or his family, but he's a brother and we celebrate what Jesus did in his life, we celebrate the fact that the resurrection awaits. We celebrate the fact that he's in the presence of the Father right now, uh, but we pray for his wife, for comfort for her. We pray for his children, that the Lord bring comfort and provision to them. We pray for the entire uh, family at Grace Bible Church down the road from us, that the Lord would bring comfort to them. So over the next few minutes, would you allow yourself to enter into their grief? Uh, and into their tears that they're shedding right now. And would you pray for comfort and for peace and provision and hope for them. Over the next two minutes, church, let's pray. thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted and that you comfort those who grieve. Lord, we thank you that you are a, an ever present source of help in our time of trouble. And Lord, we thank you for your ministry. And Lord, you know how to minister and you know how to intercede because you entered into the fullness of our pain and our suffering. You know what it's like to lose someone you love. You know what it's like to grieve and to mourn. You know what it's like to enter into death. And now as you intercede at the right hand of the Father, Lord, we pray and we join you in praying for Ruth and their children, Lord, and all of Grace Bible Church. Lord, minister to them in exactly the way that they need. Bring them the comfort and the hope that they need. We celebrate the life of Patrick. Lord, we celebrate everything that you've done in him. We celebrate that he's going from glory into glory. Lord, we celebrate the fact that he is with you. Lord, we celebrate the fact that the resurrection is coming, Lord, and he will have a perfect, imperishable, glorious body. And Lord, as we all await that day, Lord, continue to use your body here on this earth to minister to his family, to provide for his family, to comfort his family, to weep and to mourn with his family and to encourage his family, Jesus. We pray that over our brothers and sisters just down the road from us. Lord, we thank you for Grace Bible Church. We thank you for the fruit that's being born in them, the lives that are being changed and transformed, the faithfulness that exists inside of them. And Lord, continue to foster that and to produce that in them. We love our brothers and sisters and we bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, it feels like it should be more. <laughs> I don't know what you do after that, but this is a reality that we all face. And that's a part of what every one of us is going to go through. And it's a part of what Jesus himself has gone through and part of what we do as the church. As we join people in their suffering. It's a part of the beautiful way that we are the body of Christ and that we demonstrate what life is like in his kingdom. We laugh with people who are laughing, we celebrate with people who are celebrating, but we also enter into mourning with those who are mourning and grieving with those who are grieving, but all with the hope that we find in Jesus. And so, Uh, continue to enter into celebrating and continue to enter into grief with people, all with the hope of Jesus. Well, Radiant Kids, you are dismissed. Um, And parents, you can pick up your kids after service lets out. And uh, one quick announcement for us before we get going. Um, A lot of you might know Jared. Uh, He does youth, plays drums, does facility stuff, Uh, just incredible, and he does so many things. And he's gonna have some time off here coming up soon because they are welcoming their fourth child. And so we're excited about that. Um, But here's what that means. Yes, he's not gonna be here cleaning. So (laughs) we need some of the family uh, to be willing to step up and help out with some of the cleaning while he's gone. And not even just while he's gone, but to continue to be a part of doing that. Um, You know, when I was a kid growing up in the Methodist church had been going on for generations. One of the things that was really cool is after service let out and people were done, like, I don't even know where they came from, but vacuums just came out of everywhere and like 100 people just started vacuuming and it was done in three minutes and then the vacuums all disappeared and we all went home. And so we're going to take on a little bit of that approach is if you have some time after service to spend a little bit of time just getting out one of the vacuums and running those around or cleaning a few windows before you take off, many hands would make light work and that's just a part of the family thing we do. If you're a guest here, Obviously, this isn't for you, but if if this is your home and you're looking for a place to be involved in serving the family and facilitating what the Lord is doing here, uh, then I'd encourage you. You can go to radianta2.com under the events page, and there's a sign up for that to be on that team. And then next week, the 14th, after service lets out, Jared's gonna do a little bit of training with us. I'll be there. I'm gonna be on the cleanup crew and helping out with that. I can't do a lot of things, but I can run a vacuum or clean a window. So come have some fun with me doing that, and uh, it'll it'll be a good time also build some community in doing that. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15 and beginning a new teaching. Um, And it's really about this idea of it's a new year. And this is that kind of like two week period that we're in where everybody is at the gym and everybody has started some new completely unsustainable diet that probably isn't even good for you. Uh, But Like this is that time of year, everybody wants to make changes. They want to look different than they do a year from now. You know, the holidays are rough. Uh, There's a lot of food and a lot of inactivity. And, you know, we've all been eating too much. And we, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, I gotta change, like something here has to give. <laughs> Either my belt's gonna give or I have to change. And so like, we go to the gym and we sign up for three-year memberships that we are not going to get our money's worth out of. And you, you change these diets. But what happens is two to four weeks into this, the gyms are empty again. <laughs> and everybody has ditched their diet that they had started. And the reason for that is because you might recognize that you want transformation to take place inside of your body. And you even know these are the disciplines that I need to be able to be transformed and to be healthier. But two weeks in, you're tired. You've been waking up early. You've been spending more energy. You're sore because you're doing exercises you haven't done in 20 years. You're cold because it's like cold and dark out and you're going out. You're hungry because none of the food that you can eat on any of these diets ever like fills you up or satisfies you. And you look exactly the same. Nothing has changed about your body. You're just tired, sore, cold, hungry, and cranky. And so seeing no transformation in yourself and just the pain of change, you end up ditching the diet and you end up ditching the gym and you just go back to life as normal. Now the same thing happens to us spiritually because it's a new year and you think, you know, I want to be more like Jesus. And this year I want to be changed, I want to be transformed. And so you you get your one year Bible reading plan, which you absolutely should. Uh, you decide I'm gonna commit to going, you know being a part of the church gatherings more, which you should. You commit to spending time in your prayer closet, which you absolutely should. Like I'm gonna give, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna I'll do more to truly live out Faith in Jesus and to demonstrate and proclaim and invite other people into this new life, which are all things that we should do. But you spend a couple weeks doing this, you get to you know, like Exodus 22, 23 range, and the Bible reading plan really starts to slow down. Uh, you, you get up and you're trying to pray and that alarm clock goes off and it's really easy to hit snooze. Uh, Like things come up and and you don't feel transformed. You still feel exactly the same spiritually as as you've always felt, and so you can start just going back to life as normal. And here's what we we need to understand is that in the natural, your life cannot be transformed in two weeks. Like maybe for the bad it can. Uh, That two weeks over the holidays transformed my body, but not in a good way. But good transformation in you takes time. And it's the same for us spiritually is that transformation inside of us takes time. It's not going to happen in two weeks because here's what's happening to us is that uh, there's three ways that you're saved. It says in scripture, you were saved. It says you're being saved and it says you will be saved. It's like, which is it? Am I saved? Am I being saved or am I going to be saved? Well, it's all three of those. You were saved when you put your faith in Jesus and he put his spirit in you, you were saved. You received spiritual life. You received the Holy Spirit in you, making you a new creation. He's a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance that we have. He began to put gifts inside of you, but there's also this being saved part. And this is us becoming like Jesus in the way that we live. Um, if, if you've, Grew up in a church like I did It's called sanctification. You got saved when you put your faith in Jesus, but now you're in this process of being sanctified. You're being changed so that the way that you live, your motivations and your desires, your actions, all of it is becoming more like Jesus over time. And then there's the day we will be saved when the new heavens and the new earth are here and we receive a resurrected body and we dwell with him tangibly on the earth forever. So you are saved. If you've received God's spirit in you, you are saved. You are being saved and you will be saved. In our culture, we like that Jesus saved us and that we will be saved. I like what he's done through the cross and the resurrection, putting his spirit in me. And I like the, the promise that we have of the future. The part we don't like is the being saved part of the hard work of being transformed by Jesus so that we actually begin to live like Jesus. That's the hard work of our faith, but it's what we're called to. And really it's beautiful and it's good. And so that's what we're thinking about when we talk about the spiritual transformation that you want to see inside of yourself. You want to be like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is he didn't call us just to be saved and wait until the day that he returns and restores all things. He wants you to learn to live like him here, and now he wants to transform you so that you are a Christian. That means a little Christ. That's what the Romans mockingly called Christians, the followers of the way. It's like, oh, look like a bunch of little Christ running around. That's exactly what it's supposed to be like. We're learning to live like him, think like him, do what he did. He actually even said the things I've done, you're going to do and even greater things than this. That means that there's a spiritual transformation that's going to take place inside of you here and now on this earth that Jesus has invited you into. And so the way that Jesus does this, he talks about in John 15. And so John 15 verse one says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. I'm gonna stop right there because right here in this verse already, there's some really confusing language that we don't understand in the way that his disciples would have understood that. And the word grapevine, we take it just as a metaphor of, of the rest of this chapter of what Jesus is talking about. It's just a farming metaphor to understand what happens in us. But that's not really the full picture of it. See, the idea of a grapevine, when Jesus said, I am the grapevine and my father is a gardener, as a Jew, they would have understood the word grapevine to refer to what ancient Israel was. All through scriptures, you'll see God talking about, I planted a vineyard, and I expected fruit from it. And so what he's saying is when he Delivered the Hebrew people out of bondage in Egypt, out of slavery. He brought them to be a people who were his. He planted them in a land and they were to grow and to become fruitful. And there was to be fruit that they bore. And a part of that was demonstrating the love and the mercy and the justice and the goodness of God in a way that would cause all of the other people and all of the other nations around them to want to come into the family of God and want to put their faith in him and live a life of righteousness and live out the justice and the goodness and the beauty of God. They were the vineyard, they were the vine, ancient Israel was, that was supposed to bear this fruit of bringing all of the nations into the family of God. But it didn't work out that way. Over and over again, instead of Uh, producing the fruit God was looking for, they became like the nations who were around them. They weren't faithful to God. And so he sends prophets to them and the prophets are calling them back, reminding them, you are God's vineyard. He planted you, he chose you and you're supposed to bear fruit. He even has an expectation that you are to bear fruit. And so then he does different works inside of them to try to cause them to be fruitful. And Jesus, even in a lot of his different stories he's telling, he talks about that same idea of the vineyard and there's an expectation of fruit that's going to come. So the people who are hearing this, they recognize that they as Jews, a part of ancient Israel, they are God's vineyard that he planted. But now Jesus comes and he says, it's not that you are the vineyard, I am the vine. And what Jesus is saying in that is that he is the fulfillment of everything that they were supposed to be. What couldn't be produced through them because in our fallen humanity, that we just couldn't produce it. Every person falls short of the glory of God. They weren't able to do that. They weren't able to remain faithful. So Jesus himself comes and he takes on that role as the vine. He is the one who demonstrates to us what faithfulness to God looks like. He's the one who demonstrates the goodness of God, his justice, his mercy, his love, his compassion. And he invites all of the nations in to the vineyard, into the vine through him. And he says that the father is the gardener. Every vineyard needs a gardener. Otherwise it just grows to be desolate, It grows uncontrolled, it won't be fruitful. And this should be an encouragement to you. You don't have to be the vine to other people. You can't be. Jesus is the vine, you aren't. As you're praying and interceding for people and wanting to minister to them, there's a temptation for every one of us to try to be the vine or to take on the role of the vine. And it will crush you because it's a role that you are not capable of. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is one that the goodness of God is revealed through. Jesus is one that life in God is made possible through. Jesus is the one who is our connection and source of life. It's Jesus, it's not you. Uh, Radiant Church isn't divine, thank God. There's no pastor, there's no leader who is divine. It's only Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He, talking about the father, the gardener, cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Now there's more here than we're gonna be able to get to this week, but we'll, we'll try to get through this. And what Jesus is saying again is he is the vine. He is the demonstration of what God is. He is God, so he's able to perfectly show us the heart of God, the nature of God, the character of God, the love, the justice, the mercy, the power, the glory, all of these things. He comes as the vine and he is demonstrating it to all the world with the invitation of everyone, people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue coming into the family of God. Jesus, the vine, is able to perfectly do that. And he offers us life in him. And this life in him, he describes, he says, that it's, we are filled with overflowing joy. That's a part of what God brings you. That's a part of what he has for you in this life of what you're invited into is a life of overflowing joy. Not just a little bit like, <laughs> I got a, that was kind of a clever dad joke. Overflowing joy. Not just you're filled with joy, but your joy fills up, bubbles out over you and onto others. That is a part of the life that Jesus has invited you into. It's a life that you certainly can't find in our culture. It's a life you're not going to find in our political system. It's a life you're not going to find in your hobbies, in your family, or any of these other things. Overflowing joy in every situation, in every circumstance. This is what Jesus brings to us, and it's the life that he offers us, not just in the age and the fullness of it that is to come, but here and now, he says, I'm inviting you into a life of overflowing joy. We're invited into a life of where we are friends with Jesus. I spend my observation over the years, there's two types of people. One is like Jesus is so holy and far removed from us that I'm just a worm that he doesn't want anything to do with. And people who are like, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. And there's like no reverence or no offer him. It's both though. It's that he is so high. He's so holy, majestic, so different from us. And, and there's a good and holy fear that we have in his presence, but he also calls us friend. An invitation into friendship with Jesus. That's what he offers us. And he says that he invites us into a life of where we're so connected to him. We have such an understanding of what it is that he's doing in us. We have such an understanding of what he's doing on this earth that we begin to hear what he's saying. And then we begin to ask for the things in his name. That means according to his will, and we will receive them. Not like wasting it, like asking for Porsches and like, you know, big raises and everything else, but he's inviting you into knowing what his plans and purposes are on this earth so that we can join him in intercession and asking for the things that he's wanting to do here and now. And as we ask for them, we receive them. Now I'm still learning and growing in that one because my batting record, my batting average is not great but we're learning and we're growing this. This is what it means, we're being saved. We're learning how to live this life that he's inviting us into. And it's a life where we bear much fruit. It says that it's his will that we, his disciples, if we are someone who's learning to live like him, it is his desire for us that we would bear much fruit, that there would be overflowing joy in us, that we would live in intimate friendship with him. We would learn to be true ministers with him in the ministry of reconciliation. There is a life that has been made available to us that Jesus invites us into, and it's only through him. And the way that we do this, and the way that we grow into it is by learning to remain in Jesus. He says, how do we do this? What's the 12-step program? There's a one step program, remain in Jesus. Some of your Bibles might say abide. That's what I grew up on, abide in me. And really what that remain in me, it means dwell with me. Learn to live your life in me. Learn to think like I think. Learn to have the motivations that I have. Learn to have the desires that I have. Learn to live every moment of your life hosting my presence. It's just as real for me as Scott here on the front row. Is I'm, I'm, I'm with him and I'm sitting with him. The reality of the presence of Jesus being that strong in us. I'm abiding. I'm remaining in Jesus. And as I remain in him, the vine, the only true source of life, what happens is I begin to receive nourishment. I'm transformed. And as I remain in him, it says that he causes fruit to be produced inside of me. But too often what happens is we know what Jesus is calling us into. And there's something inside of us that wants that. We want overflowing joy. Like nobody wants to live a life of depression and anxiety and fear. We all want overflowing joy. It's a desire that's in us because it's what God made us for. But we try to find overflowing joy apart from him. And it says that when we do that, we sever ourselves from the vine. And the only thing that happens when we're severed from the vine is withering and death. We want friendship with Jesus, but you're not gonna find friendship with Jesus without being connected, without remaining in Him. All of our life, all nourishment, everything that God's calling us into is all through learning to remain in Him. It's all through learning to live our lives, hosting His presence and being submitted to Him in all areas, and as we do that, Fruit is naturally born in us. Well, I have a couple of peach trees. They're the world's saddest peach trees. They do not belong in the soil that I have put them into, and they deserve a much better caretaker than I am. But what I've noticed is the peach tree doesn't think about like the branch isn't like like ah like squeezing trying to produce fruit. The branch can do nothing to produce fruit. It's a natural result of it being connected to a source of life. We can't produce fruit on our own. Your discipline, your best intents, desires, your 12-step programs cannot produce fruit in you. The only way fruit is produced is when you learn to remain in Him and remaining in Him naturally causes fruit to be produced inside of you. This is what God wants to do in you. All we have to do is remain in Him. And so we'll talk the next few weeks. What does it mean to remain in Him? This first thing Jesus says is that to remain in Him, we must submit to pruning. Now, trees and orchards look funny. They don't look like normal trees, because when you go to an orchard to pick apples or peaches or whatever, have you noticed the trees are shorter than you would think they are? Have I mean, you have noticed they're like really open and not impressive looking? They have really thick branches, like three or four really thick branches that go out and not so much up. They don't look natural. But have you ever noticed that an apple tree in an orchard produces a gazillion more apples than that crab apple tree in your backyard? It's because a gardener has been working, an orchardist has been working, knowing how to cultivate and what to do to the tree so that it produces the fruit that they're looking for. And the the first thing that you're doing in your vineyard or, or with your trees is you're pruning them. And the first thing that he prunes, he says, is what's dead. There are dead branches on every tree. There's a branch that started to grow, it had life, it used to be green, but something happened to it and it wasn't able to sustain life and that branch died. And the first thing that has to happen for fruit to be produced is you have to trim off. You have to prune the dead branches because they become something that will not produce fruit. It will inhibit other branches and disease can actually come from the dead branch into the tree and begin to affect the other branches that are around it or even kill the entire plant. The dead branches have to be pruned off. And this is what Jesus does in you, is he comes to you and he looks for the things that are dead and he cuts them off. And we hate this because we love our dead branches. We have memories of the glory days of that branch, the leaves it used to have, the fruit it used to produce. Maybe the branch never even produced any fruit, but it's just a branch that you've grown to love. In us, what's that look like in reality? What are those dead relationships inside of your life that are a threat, to your fruitfulness? What are those dead relationships that you're involved with? That it's not that the person isn't loved by God and that they don't have infinite worth and value and someone needs to reach them with the gospel, but guess what? It's not you. What are the dead branch relationships in your life that the Lord is coming to, to cut off and to prune and remove for your own health and for your own fruitfulness? What are the, the dead desires that are inside of you? It's desires that you have that aren't leading to anything that's fruitful, but in fact, it's affecting your faith. It's compromising your faithfulness to Jesus. It's removing your ability to live with overflowing joy. What are the wrong, like, you name it, what's that sin in your life? Any sin in your life is a dead branch. It does not belong there. And if you do not submit to the Lord and to his pruning of sin inside of your life, it will not just, take up resources and inhibit growth, but disease will actually spread from that branch into you and it will threaten your own very faith. What are the dead branches of sin and wrong desires and wrong motivations that exist inside of us that we need to allow the Lord to come and to prune? It says that he prunes uh, things that even are fruitful. Uh, One of the things they do is you prune things that are competing with other branches and their fruitfulness. Uh, Why do those branches, like why do those trees and orchards have like three or four branches? It's because they prune all the other ones because they're competing with the fruitfulness of the three or four branches that the, the orchardist or the gardener has intentionally left. They're competing for the same sunlight. They have to cut out the middle of it because that blocks sunlight from getting to the leaves and producing fruit. So you have to remove a lot of branches for that to happen. It's competing for the same resources and the same nourishment that's coming up inside of it. Even fruit that's too close to each other, they end up causing each other to perish. So what are the things that are in your life? If it's, it's even a good thing, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a branch that's competing with what the Lord is trying to produce fruit in inside of you. I was talking with a friend just this last week and, and they were recognizing that the Lord was wanting to prune them because there was like, you know, like some Netflix show or whatever they were watching and there's absolutely nothing wrong with the show. There's nothing bad about this show, but what was bad is at the time they were spending watching, it became a, comp- a competing branch for the same resources that God wanted to use for other branches in their life to bring about fruitfulness. Like what has scrolling done to affect our fruitfulness What is streaming done to affect our fruitfulness? Like like you name it, what are the competing branches that exist that the Lord, even though it's good, even though there's nothing wrong with it, but he needs to come and he needs to prune it so that there can be greater fruitfulness inside of you. We all have to submit to his pruning of the things that are competing. And then lastly, pruning causes strength. Um, The branches of the trees in their orchards are very Thick, like unnaturally thick. It looks where it looks like there's like a trunk and then like three or four other trunks kind of growing out. They're just very thick branches. And that's been produced by pruning other branches that the resources are going to cause these main branches to grow and become thick so they can support the weight of the fruit. Now, my sister, she's one that got me into peach trees and her trees are way better than mine. Um, I remember it was like last year, two years ago, she was sending me these pictures of her, one of her trees was just overloaded with peaches. And I was so jealous. I was like, oh my gosh, like I had seven peaches on my entire tree. And she had like 700 on one branch. And she was excited about it, excited about it, like kept texting me pictures of it. Like, I'm so excited for you, you know? <laughs> A storm comes very close to when they were ripe. And the weight of the fruit on that branch was too great for the branch to bear and the whole branch broke off and all the fruit was wasted. And she was like, dang it, I should have pruned it. And she knew she should have, but when you see all the fruit on the branch, it is really hard to prune because you see like the promise, you see the hope, you see the potential It's really, really difficult to prune something that's being fruitful. But that unwillingness to prune caused the total loss of all the fruit. there has been a lot of failures amongst celebrity Christians in the last few years. You know what happens? There wasn't a pruning for strength that they submitted to. The branch could not bear the fruit that was being born and they collapsed in a storm and the fruit was wasted. If only they had submitted to the Lord's pruning, they would still be living with overflowing joy. They would still be living with intimacy with Jesus. They would still be living, bearing much fruit, but an unwillingness to submit to the Lord's pruning in our lives will ultimately lead to our destruction. And instead of being filled with overflowing joy, we'll be filled with anxiety and fear and burnout. Instead of living with intimacy with God, he will become a stranger to us. We will elevate ourselves to the position of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? says that he opposes the proud. We will put ourselves in a place of, instead of being a friend of Jesus, we will become someone that Jesus opposes. You do not want to have Jesus oppose you. He will win. And instead of producing much fruit for the glory of Jesus, the fruit that should have been born in your life will be wasted. And your faith may even die. It's because of God's goodness to us that He prunes us. It's painful, it's scary. And one thing trees don't know is why the gardener is doing that to them. You won't always know and be able to logic and reason out this is why the Lord's pruning this, this is why the Lord's removing this from me but we can trust that it's for our good and so that we can bear even more fruit and so that we can enter into a life of overflowing joy, so that we can enter into a life of deep, intimate friendship with Jesus and so that we can enter into a life of great fruit that lasts. But we have to submit to his pruning, but you can trust him in the process. He knows what he's doing. He's always faithful and he's always good. Father, we love you. And Lord, our confession is that our faith is in you, meaning we trust you and that we're submitted to you. Lord, in this year, we do want to be transformed to be more like you over the course of not just weeks, but over the course of this year, Jesus, we want more overflowing joy. We want more intimacy with you. We want more fruit that lasts to be born from our lives, God. So teach us to remain in you this year. Teach us to live our life fully connected to you, the vine, and teach us to submit ourselves to your pruning. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to us even this morning of the thing that you're asking us to submit to your pruning. Lord, I pray for the strength and the faith inside of us to submit that to you. You are the vine, you are the gardener, we are the branches. Come and prune and lead us into fruitfulness. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. Well, we're gonna break up into some groups and do some praying together and uh, get four, six, eight people. But this is where ministry happens. Hopefully we had, you had some training and equipping for a life of, that God's called us to, but ministry happens when brothers and sisters, spiritual mothers and fathers and sons and daughters come together to encourage each other, to pray over each other and to strengthen each other to faithfulness to Jesus. And so if the Lord has been speaking to you about some pruning that he wants to do in you, this is a great place to be able to share that and to to share that with someone and ask for their encouragement and their prayers and their support as you submit to the Lord's pruning. maybe there's something else, you need provision in your life, you need healing. There's a relationship problem that you need reconciliation and whatever it is, the Lord has gifted his body with a variety of gifts to use to minister to each other. So I can't encourage you enough, the power and the transformation that comes when we as the body come together to partner with Jesus in bringing transformation to the way that we pray over and minister to each other. Uh, So pray. Minister to each other. When you're done, go grab some coffee, enjoy fellowship. But now is the time not to just gather as the church, but to be the church in the way that we love and minister to each other. Let's break them into some groups and let's be the church. Love you all. God bless.